Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. I want to give you a moment as my family, just we just came back from Asia. Korea. We originally went to Asia, Jeju Island, for a leadership conference that's preparing for 2024 called the Luzon Movement, Luzon 4, which is 5,000 leaders from 250 countries gathering and focusing and talking about the future of Christianity. But our meeting was canceled in Jeju for five days because uh, one of the main leaders couldn't get through in the country because of immigration issues, so it was a vacation, completely, <laughs> um, and uh, I, I even swam in a waterfall at the, at the mountain of Jeju, at a, it was like pretty amazing. I haven't been back to Korea for 35 years, and I just want to thank uh, everyone who's, who, in my wife's and, and my absence, just stepped up, and we watched the services at 1 a.m., <laughs> Uh, it was powerful. Thank you so much for all who supported and did the work here. It felt really for the first time in 25 years of ministry where we really rested. And it was an amazing time. So thank you for that. Um, as we come back, right when we arrived uh, just this week, uh, Esther and Rob gave birth to their first child, Mila Kairos Show. So let's give them a hand again. Pray for them. You know, basically 180, we're having a baby, boom. Uh, they might be outnumbering us soon. We need more volunteers at Sunday school. As you know, we also got the second theater um, two weeks ago because of the growing children's ministry. Think, you know, And as a result of having two theaters in a, a theater that has basically five, one of the things is we're going to have to be a bit more flexible with movie premieres. So sometimes we'll have to go to remote. So in the end of the month, this, uh, in August, we're going to have to do one remote. We signed a contract. So uh, we'll announce it again next week at the theater. But it will be a remote service at the end of the month. So whatever you want to do in the summer, do it one more time. Travel, do what you got to do. Watch the service online like I did. Go to Japan or Korea. It was wonderful. <laughs> but today... Uh, as we come back to the idea of the discipline of the church, I talked about this whole year about developing spiritual habits. And the discipline of the church is, I think, one of the most important habits to develop. Because look at the person next to you, around you. They're not perfect. They're flawed. We're all flawed. We're sinners. We're petty. I mean, just in Asia, we were petty too. You know, with the family, uh, little things getting annoying. And today, I want to talk to you about how you overcome pettiness 
in community in general, but pettiness in community. So whether you're a Christian or not, how do you overcome pettiness? So to illustrate this, a long, long time ago when my wife and I, at 24, 23, we, we got married, we had no money. Um, and we decided on a whim to go camping. If you know me at all, you know I'm more of the glamping type where I could order Uber Eats, you know. I actually did one time at a glamping site order pizza for everybody. That's how I caught my food on Uber. Uh, I'm more of the spa resort type with champagne and, you know, more posh type. But, but this is before we had any money at all. So we went real camping. We're talking about we took Spam and Lamyon. No stores. We cut up Spam, ate, you know, we made the food in the campfire. We, we took swims in the lake. And that was the last time we ever did that. <laughs> but right when we entered the campsite, it was about in Woodbury Commons area, upstate New York, about an hour from here. And right as we got to the campsite, we had a, a used Audi A4, which is a pretty small car. Right when we got to the road, pulling up to the campsite, a bear stopped us right in the middle of the tracks. And it was like a cup, but it was pretty huge. And, and honestly, to tell you guys, it was very, very scary. We barely made it out alive. But, uh, but, and so I, I put it on reverse and we slowly backed up because if there's a, a you know, a, a baby bear, there's the mom is usually very close by. And if, if an adult bear came, it would rip up the, the A4. Like we would, you know, basically be ending our camp trip right there. But I think that, idea of the word bear. Tell someone next to you, bear. 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 It's the same idea, loosely, that the Apostle Paul had when he gives an admonishment to the church of Colossae. When you look at the passage, it uses that word, bear. Tell someone next to you again, bear. bear. Paul says, bear one another. When you look up the word bear in the Webster Dictionary, you get many definitions. First, you get a very large mammal. But second, it's also describing a type of person. And the first word to describe it is surly. And that's a ill-mannered or grumpy type of person. Or uncloth, which is bad-tempered or rude. So when Paul says in this passage to bear one another, bear with each other, forgive one another if any of you has grievances against someone. That idea of bear is very, tell someone next to you, very, very important. Very, very. <laughs> Nancy loves this sermon. She loves bears. Bear with my, my dad jokes. But first thing, if you want to overcome, there are three things. If you want to overcome pettiness in any community, but especially a spiritual community, a church community, three things you got to do. First, you got to expect it. 
Tell someone next to you, expect it. Expect it. Second, don't waste it. Third, love it. You're like, okay. First, Paul is saying bear with one another. Then he uses the word forgive. If You know, actually, when we were going on the trip to Asia, Asia is so efficient, you don't need pre-tech, you don't need clear, because it's so fast. But people are the rudest. They bump you, no apology. Right when we got to the airport in Japan, someone cut me off. Then they cut my wife off and my son. And then I was like, yo, bro, what are you doing? And I realized they don't know what I'm talking about. My wife is like, and someone's like, can you calm down? And they were like, I, they were like oh, we're going to miss our flight. I said, I don't care. Don't cut my wife off. Oscar Wilde once said, you know, every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. We're all ontologically, by nature, flawed. The first thing is, if you want to survive any community in pettiness, you have to expect this weakness in humanity. You can't be shocked by it. You can't be always venting. How many people here, their friends vent to you? Raise your hand if your friends vent to you. And they ask you the question, why? Why did he do that? Why did she do that? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> the, the truth is, there are many factors to why people do what they do. There are psychosocial factors. There are many different fa wounds of the past. I mean, you never really know why. But this should not be a shock in any community. When you come to a community, a gathered people, everybody, they're human. And it was a real funny story this week when me and Josh, my youngest son, who's 11, were talking about one incident that happened about a few years ago, maybe two, three years ago. Josh was saying, Dad, I was so mad at you. I'm like, for what? Yeah, one day I was sleeping in the car, and when I woke up, I was in the sofa. I had no pillow, no blanket. I was so mad at you, Dad. And I said, I can't believe this. Bleep. I can't. For his perspective, I should have done more. When I carried him, because he refused to wake up, in the car, he is not light. A hundred pounds, I'm carrying him, and I almost threw my back out. I'm not that young anymore. I literally carried him and literally almost dropped him on the floor before I put him on the sofa. And when he told me that, I was like, I should have dropped you, bro. But here, here's the thing about some of our tensions and some of our conflicts that we will, not if, when they happen. There are two perspectives. One person thinks you should have done more when my perspective, I've done more than you think. In dealing with conversations, difficult conversation and conflicts, there's always three things to the story. Your story, their story, and the truth. And all our perspectives are flawed. But that's why we have to bear with one another. We have to, first what? Expect it. 
that's what the text says. The text says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have grievances against someone. And bearing is more, actually much more difficult than forgiveness because forgiveness can be transactional. You don't have to deal with this person anymore. In a community, you have to deal with this tension week after week, day after day. That's the first thing. Expect it. Second, don't waste it. The number one business school on planet Earth, Warden, I don't know if they're ranked number one anymore, I think, but whatever. A business professor there said, never, ever waste a crisis. During the pandemic, they were doing massive amount of quantitative studies on how do you lead during a crisis? How do you thrive a business under a crisis? How do you lead governments under a crisis? First, you, after expecting it, you have to not waste it. Why? Because verse 12, just three verses today. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, it says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And here's the thing about not wasting pettiness. When people are petty, rude, or grumpy. You know, sometimes I'm pretty grumpy when I, you know, when I'm hangry. You are grumpy and ill-tempered sometimes because we don't know what we're all going through sometimes. But when those things happen, instead of asking why is this person acting, they crazy, and, and pointing the finger and trying to figure out why the reason. The truth is. The sphere of concern and the sphere of influence is you can't ever control changing other people. Why they act this way, why they said this, why they, you can't change that. What is in your sphere of influence is what? What you can do. And that's why Paul uses that word, clothe yourself with kindness, with compassion, with love. Clothe yourself. Because you can't ever eliminate human stupidity, human pride, and, stu and human pettiness. You can limit it, but you can't ever eliminate it. It's part of a human nature. It's part of original sin. So then what's the solution? You have to outgrow immaturity, outgrow coping and reacting these ways, trying to get even. Rather than venting and punting, not dealing with it or dealing with the maladaptive ways, we can choose to become the best version of ourselves, become more like Christ, right? Clothe yourself. If you look at this text, verse 1, it says, it says, you are risen with Christ. So have the mind of Christ. So the sphere of influence is important here. To choose to clothe yourself with kindness, love. Here's a basic fact of the universe. Two things are indestructible. We know based, basic physics, energy can never, never be destroyed. It can be, it's redistributed, converted in different ways. But it's never. Light cannot be destroyed. Light is existence in many ways. And Webb and James Webb's looking for the first light. In the same way, love. 
can never be destroyed. Love, in this passage, if you look at the end of verse 14, says, and over all these virtues, put on love. Not only clothe yourself with kindness, compassion, but put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love always wins. Just like energy always gives life. For example, one proton, one ray beam of sunlight in the core surface of the sun is caught and captured for a million years before it comes to the earth. It takes a million years for one ray, one sunbeam to enter Earth's atmosphere. Once it leaves Earth, it takes eight minutes. That sunbeam, that one ray of light, powers everything on this planet. Powers everything. To us, they're called calories. Calories really is energy. Calories are not bad for you. People sometimes have too many calories. That's only because we, you know, we have too many calories. But it's energy. In the same way, love when you love someone or something, even when don't, they don't deserve it. When Christ loved us on the cross, did we deserve it? No. But it changed many of us, didn't it? Just like the sunlight that takes that long, you can't see its life. You can't see its potential. But when it hits the earth's surface, it powers everything. It gives life to everything. And that's the same way with love. Love always wins. It, you can't see it immediately. But when you love, you grow. So use rudeness, use grumpiness and pettiness as a way to grow your love. And I'm not preaching to you, even though I'm preaching right now. I'm learning that too. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. One of the most difficult things that happened during my trip in Asia was my dog, our, our dog Brownie, middle name Peanut Butter. She was a, a Beagle Rottweiler. She had that, those peanut butter colors, passed away. And we weren't there. My son, Nathan, our oldest, said that my dog, in the last days of her life, who she couldn't walk anymore, she couldn't go to the bathroom, she, you know, she was in diapers, couldn't walk straight, couldn't get up. She crawled from her bed to my desk. And my son Nathan said, she was looking for you. And she crawled to the desk. And Nathan said, I've lost interest in Brownie or taking care of a very elderly dog. She was 18 years old. She lived double the normal dog's life, lifetime. And one of the things that, that, that we saw Nathan tell us was when he took her to the vet with family and friends, we were sobbing through FaceTime. Apple should do a commercial on this. I mean, the power of technology, but we were sobbing 
my wife was sobbing, I was sobbing, and, and my son, Nathan, who really sort of lost interest in Brownie, was taking care of her. He was hugging her. His hair was all over her. And he was just sobbing. And Nathan said to us, Dad, Mom, Josh, I feel like this was God's plan because I felt like I wasn't really there for Brownie for these last few years. But the fact that I got to take care of her, love her. And when he said that, it was amazing how love changes someone on the inside, how, how suffering and loving someone through suffering makes you grow deeper. And we didn't tell Josh when Brownie was being put down because we didn't want him to have to experience that kind of pain, but I think I regret it now because when he woke up and we told him, he started sobbing. And he said, I need to talk to Nathan right now. And he called Nathan. And when he talked to Nathan, he started sobbing again. And Nathan told him how what happened, how she, you know, died at the vet. And they both started sobbing together. And Josh said after he hung up with, with Nathan, he said that he felt better because he felt loved by Nathan. He felt like Nathan loved Brownie. Just the idea of love, every fiber of it heals. And you know what I saw? How love wins. Tell someone next to you, love wins. So my, I, I, I want to encourage all of us today to, ex, to expect pettiness, to not waste it, but in the overall picture, to love it. Not to love the pettiness, but love all of it. Love everyone in their journey, in their suffering, because love will never, ever, ever not accomplish its purpose. It will add value and change and bring life, especially when people don't deserve it. And I know some of you in our community who have loved people and were wounded by it because you went the extra mile. But don't be deterred by that because love always wins. You might not see it now, but it will bear fruit. It will accomplish God's purpose. If we can do those three things, we will build a community that's life-giving, a community that's a safe refuge in the city, and a community that heals and changes, just like Jesus did on the cross and with his life. Amen? Let's all stand and pray together.
may be as gold. Let me be as gold. And precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold. Pure gold. Sing together. Refiner's fire. My heart's one desire. To be holy, is to be holy. Set apart for you, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy. I choose to be holy. Set apart. Set apart for you, my master. Ready to do your will. Purify my heart, cleanse me from within. disciples is what credit do you receive if you love those who love you you must love those who don't love you somewhere along the way the church in America we lost this radical vision of the gospel we've succumbed to a humanism that says we, we've reverted back to the Old Testament, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, the idea of justice. When Jesus on the cross loved those who didn't deserve it, loved his enemies, said, forgive those. They don't even know what they're doing. The church's call and the gospel's call is to this radical idea to become better than we are here, to become like Jesus to love like him. Now that capacity isn't immediate, but it's refined and grown. It's the radical love that changed the world 2,000 years ago. Striving to not only just understand, 
seeking justice, seeking rightness. But patience and kindness. That's what Paul says love is. And today's call is will you become men and women, will we become men and women in the city that love like Jesus? Not strive to get even. That's the call today. So as we close, will you lift your hands with me and will you just pray to the Lord right now and say, God, I want to be more like you. I want you to refine me with fire. Help me not to waste a crisis, a pettiness, or sinfulness. But help me bear it with love. Help me become more like you. Let's make this our prayer as we close today. come before you this afternoon we take on the vision again of the gospel to love radically not like this world not to just forgive transactionally but to be patient and kind to become more like you and that's a lifelong journey we pray with your grace and with our brothers and sisters together, we would be able to pursue that life together. To do this life together. To live this vision Jesus has for us together. Will you bow your heads today for the benediction as we close our service today? After the benediction, uh, one of our team members will come up and just give you a couple of logistics for today. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the love of God 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you.